Um, my name is Dash. Uh, I, I do coach, um, like Nathan said, and uh, I'm going to talk about that for a little bit. But first, I, there's two things I want to tell, tell you about me in general. Um, the first one is when Eric first asked me to do this about six, seven weeks ago. He, I remember where I was at that moment. I was back there, and he was like, hey, you need to preach again. And uh, my first instinct is usually no. Like, you need to preach again. I said, no, thank you. I'm okay, you know. Um, but there's been something on my heart for about two or three years, actually. So I'm going to talk about that. So right away, God was like, nah, you're going to do this. And I said, okay, let's do it. And so, but I started wondering, why is that even a thing? Why would I get nervous? No, no offense to you guys. I'm, uh, sometimes I'm nervous in front of crowds speaking. Sometimes I'm not. Y- y'all aren't making me nervous. It's not you guys. So happy Father's Day again. Um, the, the second thing I wonder is, like, well, am I afraid of saying something wrong? I mean, I do that all the time, so I don't think that's the reason. I, I think what it is is I, uh, you know that you're going to open yourself up in front of everybody else. Here I am, and they're going to find out what I am, which is not a good person, which is a messy sinner um, and I'm not a good person, but I have a good God um, who sought me out. And so that's important to know first, because we're going to get into that later. later. The second thing is, uh, is my job. Uh, I am a coach, and I was able to speak about three years ago. I remember it was during COVID. It was really strange because um, we were online, and I remember thinking there's going to be proof of me making an idiot myself forever. Um, they're going to record it. But... Uh, I made a point to myself three years ago, I'm not going to talk about coaching, tennis, my job. No way. I'm not doing that. Well, today I did the exact opposite, and I'm going all in. I'm going to talk about my team. I'm going to talk about coaching, what that looks like, because um, it's, it's a strange job, to be honest. People ask me a lot, what do you even do? Like this time of year in, in June, what do you even do? And uh, I don't know. I kind of just put out fires and do camps and stuff, but... Um, the coolest part about my job is every year uh, I get about 20, inter- usually international students. There's some that are, are from Texas, but they come to Tyler, Texas. We have this discussion all the time. All of them, but they're more like, I can't believe I'm in Tyler, Texas. And I'm like, me either. Um, they come to Tyler, Texas, different cultures, different personalities, different ideas of how to eat, uh, what respect looks like. Uh, when do you go to bed? That's a big one. Um, how do you respect your roommate? There's just a lot of different stuff that goes on in these teams. What does tennis look like for some of them? Um, and so it, the analogy the past two or three years is, I keep getting hit over and over again, uh, the analogy of a group like that and a group like the church. It's a lot of different, per- I almost said weird, different personalities right? But my mind's weird, so it's okay. But we're all so different. Some of us are from this area. Some of us are not from this area, right? And there's just cultural differences. There's feelings and emotions about the way things should look and the way things should be uh, done. It's just there's so much to a church. And I don't mean, when I say the church, I don't mean just Bethel downtown. I mean the church. That's a lot. My guess is that the service in Italy looked a little different. I don't know. I've never been there. But I'm guessing some of the songs were different. Just some of the ideas of how things are approached are just different. But we're all one church. 
And so getting that, seeing that in my team and seeing it in the church, it's always an interesting uh, comparison in my brain. Um, so I'm going to tell you what we do. First, kind of my job, what I do, the three steps we try to take every year to help unify. Um, and then we are going to look at a passage that's going to show how I think God desires the same um, and then apply it, hopefully. Um, but for us first, uh, my team, the first thing we have to find out is a common denominator. Every year, I try to find something we all have in common. Um, most people would think, well, that's easy, Dash. Tennis, hello, you're the tennis coach. Um, that's actually, it's not always the best uh, common denominator because it's such a broad thing. Um, or maybe team. Uh, yeah, y'all want to be a team, Dash. You should talk about team more. And we do. Um, but if that's the only common denominator, it, it, it's kind of just watered down. It's not thick enough. You need, you need something more to have them hold on to each other and be with each other. Um, so our common denominator, specifically the last two or three years, has really been how are you serving others? I mean, the golden rule. I mean, this is, it's, it's funny talking to 18, 19, 20-year-old people and saying, hey, have you thought about someone else today? And, they, and they're like, you know, I, I haven't, you know? And so... Um, but that's been it. And the way we look at that on the tennis court, how do you do that, Dash? Well, one of the things we say is, um, are you the best practice partner here? Are you the one that everyone else wants to be around for practice? Are you the one that says, or that everyone says, I don't want to be with that guy because he doesn't care about me at all on the court. But if, if, that, if you can care about that person and in the same way they can care about you, then all of a sudden okay, there's a common denominator here. We both are trying to serve each other, and then you've got a, a level playing field. doesn't matter. I, it's, I can't tell you. I have this discussion every year about some great tournament that somebody won when they were 14, and I, I, I really hurt their feelings. Not on purpose, but I go, I don't care. <laughs> like, I just don't care what tournament would you won when you were younger because this is, you're in Tyler. We're, we're on a team, and what you've done in the past, yeah, don't really care. Are you serving someone else? And so it doesn't matter how great you think you are or how not great you think you are. If we all get on that same playing field as a team, it, it, it helps a lot. The second thing we do is we build unity. This one's a piece of cake for me, uh, for our team, because we do everything together. Uh, we live in the same dorm together. We practice together, class together, study hall together, eat together, travel in a 15-passenger van together. Um, it's all together. And so you may not like that person all the time. I, I, I say this a lot too. You may not like everyone in the bus all the time, but you end up loving them because you're with them so much, you, you naturally unify with them. You might get into a fight, but you, all, you always come back. Um, so the unity is the second thing we look for. And the third one I think is the hardest. Uh, it's trust. You build trust in each other. Um, so it comes back to that first point of, serving each other, it's easier for me to tell somebody, hey, you need to serve others and how you're taking this approach. And they go, okay. For some reason, it's hard to accept it for some of them. It's hard for them to realize, no, 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 you're so here, you're here that you need to be served. It's not just that you're here, so you serve other people. And so it, it gets us on that level playing field for that too, having the trust to uh, have someone else help you. And so those are three big things we do with our team every year. And every year, it, it, I get, I'm at a junior college, so every year half my team's brand new. So this coming up August, I'll have, I think, 
eight or nine new people um, that I'm trying to teach this to. And um, there will be gnashing of teeth and yelling and screaming, and we'll, we'll figure it out. Um, but those three steps are important because it's what we're going to be looking at um, in the scripture here. I, I'm going to be looking at Ephesians 2. I, going through the whole chapter, um, I'm going. I'm going through it. Um, Ephesians 2, and you're gonna, I, before I pray for us and talking about it, it's going to break into two parts. The first part is going to be the common denominator, our common denominator. It's going to be sin and a savior. That's what it is, right? Something we, everyone will have in common, right? And then number two, the second half of it is going to be more of unity, how God is going to unify um, the church, unify um, his people, okay? So let me pray for us, and then we'll get, uh, we'll get rolling in, in Ephesians 2. Dear Lord, I, you're my Savior. You're the only one who could help me and save me. I bring nothing, and you bring everything. Speak through me here, God. Let your words come out of my mouth. Get me out of the way. You are our God. Please speak this morning. Amen. So Ephesians 2, 1 through 3, I'm going to basically take a few verses at a time and kind of talk about the few verses at a time, and um, yeah, hopefully clarity prevails. And so um, let me read 1 through 3 first in chapter 2. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience among whom we all once lived in the passions of, the, of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. So, yeah, that's, that's a tough start. Um, sin. <laughs> we all got it. It's, it's awesome. And it's not just sin. I think uh, sometimes we grow up in an area, maybe, maybe it's, the, it's the generation we're in, but we talk about sin and we go, yeah, we are sinners. Hmm, that's tough. You know, and now, now what? You know, we, sometimes we don't like to sit and like what our sin is or what, how, how much it cuts and what, what it does. Um, but the first four words here of, of that verse one, it's pretty clear that it makes you dead. Our sin makes us dead. Dead, dead, dead. All the way dead. Not like dying, but dead. Nothing. You bring nothing to the table. I don't know... Uh, I don't know a, a dead person who's helping me on the tennis court. I mean, there's, there's, no, there's no dead people that are helping you, right? You, you, are, you are dead. I kind of made that pretty clear, huh? Um, there, there's been an analogy that I've heard, and I'm going to steal it. I love stealing analogies. Um, we've all heard about the life preserver. They, man, God threw you a life preserver. You just got to grab onto that thing, and he'll help you. And I was like, what a, that is not true. If I'm dead, what am I grabbing onto? Nothing. He has pulled me out of the water. I am done. And he's pulling us out. Um, and that, that, that is the best way I know to look at it. And not only that, but there's three ways it's coming. Three ways that sin and temptation are getting after you. Number one, the world. Number two, the prince of power. Right? Satan. Right? He is in our ear. And number three, the passions of our flesh, what we're born with. And I wrote down the word following. I don't like it that I did that. I meant to change it before the second 
the second time of talking about this, but um, following the world sounds like I'm just like not really paying attention. I think, I think we are born in love with the world, born in love with sin. Like we are born not wondering, should I go this way or that way? I'm born, I know where I'm going. And one of the ways I, I think I see this, um, I'm around college age kids, I'm around my kids, around other kids. Um, you see it. You see it in people. People do not naturally be born and then go, you know what? I think I'm going to do what's right. I'm going to do what's right here. Every one of the children, we're all children, we're going, you know what? What about me? I mean, I'm six months old. I'm like, ah, give it to me. You know what? Just come on. Right? I need this. Right? I'm seven years old, eight years old, and I'm going, no, 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 no. Forget that person. What about me? There's greed. So as parents, we're trying to teach our children what? How to do the right thing, right? I mean, that, that's, a, that's an easy, no-brainer way to see it. We are not born um, thinking of what are the options. I think we are in love with that sound in our ear. That's in how much sin we're in. I'm in love with the idea of, man, yeah, okay, maybe I should do that. That feels pretty good. You know, that's what I wanted to do anyways. And so, so... I hope, I hope you understand there that this sin is huge. It separates us from God. But then, luckily, there's verse 4, right? All that, I think, is 100% true. Sin is in us. And then tech, verse 4 happens. But God, I mean, I, mean, I could, that's it, huh? That, that could do it for you. But God. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved and raised, and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. So yeah, like I said, but God, all those things were true. How we feel about sin, I 100% believe we are in it. We are dead. And then, but God happens. He gave us grace. Not only did he give us grace, it's not like he picked us up out of the water like I was talking about and kind of dried us off and said, okay, well, good luck. I saved you. Good luck. Um, he picks us up, and it says there in verse 6, he takes us with him, and we are going to be seated with him in heaven. That's quite a big jump, point A to point B, being nothing, nothing on the table to, I get the be with you <laughs> forever. Like, I, that's not, you have to understand how huge that is. And I think we forget that. I don't know why, I don't, because I think we need to be reminded often about sin. I, I think it's something that we overlook. Like, yeah, yeah, I'm safe from sin. Yay. No, 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 no. This, is, this was huge. This is dividing. What he did for us was something that, take us there to here, is so big. But one way I know to look at it that has, helped me recently. Um, this really hurt my feelings the first time I heard it. And so hopefully it hurts your feelings a little bit. So it makes you think. Um, when I first became a Christian, I was young. Um, I remember saying a prayer with my mom at the church one day when we talked about hell. We talked about hell. Um, that's a scary sounding place. Not, not a place I wanted to go. So I was like, yeah, mom, I want to pray. So we prayed and um, I became a Christian that day. I remember very well. Um, 
A couple years ago, it was pointed out that, you know, I don't, I, I don't think God was saving me from hell. I think, I think that was something I was being saved from, but that wasn't the thing. God was saving you from God. The wrath of God is coming because of sin, right? And he sent Jesus to save you from that. God is the creator of everything. We all know this. And if he created everything, then he knows where everything is, right? And he knows he is pulling us out of that, right? He's pulling us away. So Jesus, is, is his blood makes him see you without the sin. Therefore, you are being saved from that. Now, that is a God. That, God is so vast. Like, we can't understand this, right? The power and everything. I just told you he creates everything. He's done everything. That's what you're being saved from. That is much more terrifying than hell. That is a much more terrifying being God. That is what is saved, we're being saved from. So I think that, that helped me kind of the heaviness of my sin, the heaviness of where I'm at. Um, that really helped a lot. Ephesians, we're going to uh, 8 through 10 now. For by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that one may boast, for we are his workmanship, creating Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So like I just dove into, I mean, there, there's just so much grace. There's being grace there that we even get the opportunity to be saved. But and there's nothing that we do that could help us get more of that grace. Like there's like this feeling sometimes like, thank you, God, for saving me and taking me out of, I'm not dead anymore, I'm alive, thank you. And we understand that. And then it's like, okay, well, what do you want me to do now? Now am I going to get more grace? Like, you don't, that's a, not going to get more grace. You don't need more grace. He's given the sufficient. He's given everything that we needed, right? It doesn't matter what you serve in and what you follow in. Um, we'll talk about it later, but there are reasons to do those things, but it's not for more grace. You don't need more forgiveness. Because it's impossible. And, and then how, how can you boast about, so if you're doing the good things and you're being pushed to, you feel like, okay, I'm, I'm, I believe in this, Dash, and I get what you're saying, and then now I'm going to serve, I'm going to do these things. It's so tempting because our heart is just so messy that we go, oh, man, now I'm doing these things for God. Look at me, I'm doing it. And it is a, a thing that is such an easy trap. You can't boast in that. And here, here's, here's the easiest way I know to explain it through what I was talking about, my story with, with my job. Um, I'll give the, the Cliff Notes version. My job, my, my, I did not think my job would be at TJC. I didn't think I would go and be a college tennis coach and, and be able to go that route. I thought my job was probably, it's going to be something else. I, I, had, I had some other plans, um, and they made a lot of sense. If I told them to you, you would be like, oh, yeah, that's a good, that's a good plan, good job. Um, and it wasn't where I was supposed to go, obviously. And what God did, he says here in this passage how he laid out beforehand the path my path to TJC was laid out before me. I, I, I did not go there um, with my own agenda. Um, I was calling around thinking about, well, what am I going to do now? And I, I, I went to TJC originally, and the coach that was there says, yeah, you should come here. I'm retiring. And I was like, okay, is my wife on board? And I talked to her, and she said yes, which I don't 
get still, but I'm glad she did. And um, so we, we go to TJC, and I'm, I'm, I've got, and I'm not even, so this is a strange part of it. Um, I didn't even do an interview for this job. Like, I, I, I'm an interim for a whole year. I'm kind of just there. And then they say, they ask the old coach, hey, should we hire him? And he goes, yeah, you should hire him. And they hire me. It's the, you don't get hired like that usually. You usually go through an interview process. You do things. There were so many things about it that don't make sense. Like, it's very n- not normal. But it is, the, it is so obvious to me that that was all laid out. That path was all laid out so that I can live day-to-day with college kids and just show them, hey, I messed up. Hey, you are too cool. This is how I handle it, right? And then we talk about it. And that's it. And it's not because I figured it out. Like, oh, man, I got this job. I got all this purpose. Great. This is awesome. I'm glad I found this thing. I didn't do it. Right? And so it, it makes it that much easier for me to say, what am I supposed to I have this I have this sticky note in front of my computer saying, who gave you this? And it's about, I need that reminder way too often. Like, well, God put me here. This was it. God put me here. And ironically, I, I've, I've, I'll say this out loud, my bosses know. Um, I've looked for other jobs. Those doors have been shut. I think there's a reason. They got supposed to be there, right? I, I still try to outsmart everything, and it just doesn't make any sense. But you see how the path is well laid out, and I hope that um, I hope you have the same experience. So this is the first half of Ephesians two. Obviously, there's sin. We need a savior. We have nothing, and now we have everything because of him, right? That's our common denominator. I said at the very beginning, every team needs that common denominator. Everybody in the whole world past, future, everybody needs that. That, 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 is, that is what we all have in common. I don't care who you are, where you're from, that's our common denominator, okay? And so specifically in the church, because this is, the, by grace, we have been shown this, and we understand that only because of his grace. And so the second half of it, he's going to show us, he kind of he takes a turn, and he starts unifying those people. He starts unifying all of us. So uh, I'm going to hop into that. So verses 11 through 13, therefore remember that one, at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at the time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of the promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. So he's talking about Jews and Gentiles. Uncircumcised, circumcised, right? And he's going to bring them together. Um, pretty big deal. I mean, specifically at that time, it's big now, but at, at that time, uh, the, these are not two, uh, two groups that hung out, you know? Um, one, of the, uh, one of the ways you know that is by how the temple was laid out. For the Jews, you had the Holy of Holies, right? You had the Levites, you had the Jewish men, then you had the Jewish women, and then you had the Gentiles, right? These people were not close. They weren't close. They weren't close. And God was going to unify the people who were close with those who were not, and they were going to become one body, right? Um, to me, it, it, you, know, you see some of the, there's a lot of differences, I think, in churches, a lot of random differences uh, I hear about with music or um, 
I mean, man, how pews are laid out, you know, or do you have pews? Do you have chairs? I don't know. There's all, there's all kinds of interesting arguments that humans can make up. This was one that God had to reconcile because of the division that he made in the Old Testament, right? He, he chose the Jewish people. He chose the Israelites, right? And now after Christ, everything changed, right? But the hostility was still going to be there. And so he was showing how we're going to build that back together, how they were going to be, that those who were far off, the Gentiles, were going to come together with the Jews. We were all going to be under Christ, okay? Verse 14 through 16, he goes into that even more, just how he's going to make it one. This is, this is some of my, like, this is where my coach heart starts, like, pumping real hard. Um, For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one, and has broken down in his flesh and dividing in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. He is our peace. He's talking to both the Jewish and Gentiles. He's talking to everybody that he is the peace and he's bringing everybody together. And the, the way he describes it here, it looks to me so much like the verbiage from when I got married. I remember getting married and them telling me, okay, Dash, there's you, there's Shay, you're gonna become one and then there's no longer Dash and Shay, there's just you guys together, y'all are together. And there's a lot of that verbiage here also right? He two people become one. This is one unit together. And this is what he desired. He wanted one new body, one new thing, um, because it, it, what's awesome about it, for us specifically, is I told you about the distance the Gentiles were away. We get carried all the way in and grouped together with people that are uh, in history, you know, um, Old Testament uh, prophets, you got apostles, you got disciples that are there, you got people since then, you got, we're all grouped. We're all going to be grouped together into one ch- church, one unit. He gets into that a little more with these last, this last bit of chapter two. In verse 17, and he came and preached peace to you who were far off, me, and peace to those who were near. For through him, we have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. That's what I was talking about. This is who we're grouped with. Built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. So we're all going to be citizens. I mean, that, that, we are not all going to be. We are citizens right now with those, with everyone that's ever been a part uh, of God's story. And we're being grabbed into that. I mean, I can't, and, and not only that, but the same guys, David, um, Abraham, these, are, these guys were messy, <laughs> like me. And they needed the same common denominator. They had sinned and needed a savior. They were trusting that one was coming. I'm trusting that one came, right? But we all had that same common denominator. We are sinful 
and we need a savior. And I can't think, that's pretty unbelievable. Look at the whole, how this chapter goes from point A to point B of you are here, you're dead. I mean, I, yeah, you bring nothing. And then I'm going to pull you out. I'm going to take you with me. I'm taking all the other people with me too. We're all together. It's just a, uh, if it doesn't give you some kind of chill bumps, you need to, or goosebumps, chill bumps, I don't know which one, but you need to just check yourself. But this is the unity God desires. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to finish with talking about three things, uh, kind of going from what I started with, the three things I look for in my team, and kind of transferring it over to this, okay? And now that, and how do, what does it look like to be unified and kind of be more practical uh, in today's world with that? Um, so, because it's hard. <laughs> it's hard to, like I said in the beginning, to build a team um, because you're building a team of people, and people are people. And so you have to really um, understand some certain steps to it. Uh, the first one is unity. The first thing I'm looking for is unity. And I'm actually going to flip over to one passage. I won't sit in there too long. Um, but Acts 42 through 47. Um, it's an exciting passage. It, the, uh, the Pentecost had just happened. 3,000 people saved, baptized. It's a, it's a, this is a, you know, things are starting to really pump here. Things are starting to go. And so to see what, it, what the church does right after that, um, I think impacts us and the unity, the first, I think one of the first things that we have to bring as a church um, to God. So I'm going to read it real fast. Verse 42 through 47 of, of chapter two in Acts. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers. So to me, that sounds like, okay, they're having Bible studies Sunday. Sunday, someone's preaching to them. This is great. This is good. Um, and awe came up upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the pro proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, that's something, he's going to say it twice here, day by day. Day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes. They received their food and with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day. There it is again. Those who were being saved. The reason I bring up the day by day, they're living together. They are with each other. It says in the temple in the home, they're in it. It's not, I wrote down an occasional friendship. This is something I struggle with um, very personally. So I come on Sundays sometimes and shake a few hands, get my coffee, give a high five maybe, and how's your day? It's good, yeah, okay, happy Father's Day. And then I, and then I, I jog on home and do my thing, right? These people are living it everywhere, day by day. They are, the, the unification that's happening with this group after, uh, the after Pentecost happens, they're doing it all together. They're eating together. It says breaking bread. It says it twice, and it's interesting. You know, different people who say different things. Does that mean they're doing communion together? Does it mean they're having dinner together? Uh, my gut says yes to both those, that they're, they're doing everything together. They're living life together, right? Um, and like I said, they're in the temple, in their homes. It's more than just an occasional hello, right? We get, this is a trap 
This is a big time trap, I think, for, for feeling a lack of unity. My team goes through this. Um, there's always a few people that come to practice and then go, go in the library by themselves. They don't want to talk to their roommate. Their roommate's weird. They're not like me. And, and it's, it's always, I always had this conversation a couple of times. And I was like, of course they're not like you. That's why I want you to talk to them, right? So you can meet each other. And then we get unified more right? And so it's the same thing with this church. My goodness, if you're going to go eat lunch with somebody, this is, this is my struggle. I told you, don't go eat with someone like you. We have so many different personalities in this room, different kinds of people. Ask someone else. I introduced myself to someone six months ago. Mike always said to do this. I can't believe I did it. Um, I introduced myself, and I, I didn't think I knew him. I had introduced myself twice already, and I, and, but then in my brain, I was like, ah, I did it. I don't care. Like, it kind of felt good to, like, mess up, right? I won't say who it was. Um, I'll probably do it again next week to the same person. Um, but meet someone new, right? Unify that, okay? Live together. It's more than just uh, showing up here. Man, that's such a trap of mine. Um, the second thing we do after that unification happens, you start living more together, then there's trust. Okay, and you're gonna trust, and one of my favorite words, not in the English dictionary, um, but I love this word, it's Ubuntu. Okay, um, you're supposed to carry the second U a lot longer, but it sounds like Ubuntu, I don't know. Um, it is a Zulu word, this is a Southern Africa word. Um, I heard about it over COVID, um, I just fell in love with it. It, it. it defined what I was hoping for in the people I was around. You'll hear, if you do some research on it, you get bored this afternoon, you'll look it up, and over and over again, everyone says, it's not a word, it's a way of life. It's a way of living. So you don't really say the definition, you see the definition. You see someone do something, you go, oh, that's Ubuntu. And what it is, I have it on my wrist even, um, what it is, is this idea of the best I can be is because of you. And the best you can do, you can be, is because of me. So we cannot do this without each other, right? And it sounds a little bit like works. Like, dash, time out. You said we couldn't do anything and that we were worthless. So yeah, yeah, I didn't, maybe not worthless. That's rough. What we're saying, though, is in each of us, if we believe the common denominator and we are here and all we have is Christ, right? We are sinners and all we have is Christ. Then in the church with me, the Holy Spirit can speak to you right? And in the same manner, I need all of you because you're going to speak through me, right? And that's where the trust in each other comes. Because I think because we have uh, the word of God, which is another way the Holy Spirit speaks to us, correct? We have this and we lean into that and we, then we go out and try to tell people, what, what do I know? <laughs> Guess what? And then we forget sometimes that these messy people can also be spoken through and used, right? And that's where the trust comes in. If, and on my teams, it's the same way. You have to trust me that I'm going to serve you. In the same way, I'm going to trust you that you're going to serve me. And so if we're all broken down and we're all right there, this idea becomes so valuable. It breaks up when someone starts thinking they're more valuable or that they figure something out that you're not going to understand probably, then it breaks up. It doesn't work the same. But this word, it's, it's, it's such a strong word. It, it, I wish, uh, yeah, I wish I could point it out right now. But when I, when I see it in the streets and you're walking next to me, I'll show it to you. Um, 
but it's unbelievable. And you, you will see this, the place I've seen this the most, uh, actually, I'll tell you right now where I've seen it. In Bible studies, uh, men's Bible studies I've been a part of, I've seen this. Uh, in my life group, I've seen this. Um, someone will, uh, I'll say something, I feel like uh, this is how I feel, and I'll kind of be open about it. And someone will quickly, no, 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 you're wrong, brother. That's not, no, no, and he'll put a finger in my chest and say, no, no, that's not the right way. And they're not saying it in a way where it's like they know more than me. They're saying it because it's the Holy Spirit speaking to me, right? And in the same way, I have to be willing to serve. I have to be willing to go to those people, go to those Bible studies, go to, these, go to church, have dinner with people, and go, no, 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 no. <laughs> That's not it. You got to listen. Not because I figured it out, but the Holy Spirit is going to speak through me to you, right? And so we, we live together. We, in living together, you're going to see that. So if you figure that out, you get the trust after the, you, you get the unity and then you learn to trust each other because the Holy Spirit's going to work through each of you. The third part, I think this is a coach word, so hold on. Um, I feel like there needs to be a goal or an objective. And I don't know how that's, a, that's such a trap sometimes because it's like, well, if I don't reach my goal, what does that mean? I don't mean like that. It just means you have to have some kind of uh, what's next. Like, what now? I get what you're saying, Dash, but what now? So for me, the main objective I see uh, is actually um, the Great Commission. Go and make disciples. I mean, you think about this. I'm going to follow a guy for three and a half years, miracles, he's teaching, I've given everything to him. I've left my work. I'm following him. And then he goes, hey, I'm going to leave for a little bit. The Holy Spirit's going to come, but I'm going to leave. And this is the last thing I'm going to say. I'm going to say one more thing. That, I would hold on to that. Like, that's something, okay, what's the last thing? Let me write this one down. And it's go and make disciples. It's the last thing Jesus said before he left. Right? And that goes two ways. Either you are discipling others you are showing them, you are teaching them, hey, this isn't me. This is what Christ has shown me, and I want to give it because the Holy Spirit wants me to give it to you. Or it's even, it's even more. You ask, can someone show me what you know? Can someone show me what, they, what the Holy Spirit has shown them, right? So either you're discipling someone. Actually, it's both. You are discipling someone, and the, someone is discipling you, right? There should be, two, there should be different levels here right? If you're not in that position, I'm, I'm a little lucky, very lucky, but one of the reasons I'm lucky is because at my job, I get to disciple college kids. Now, it's a different kind of discipling because we get into funny conversations about, um, hey, you're a sinner, you messed up. Yeah, me too. Well, how do you fix it? Okay, well, I don't fix anything. And so it's, this is, and so it's like, okay, you don't get better. I was like, no, not really, but you know, it's, and so it's an interesting discipleship, right? But you still get to show them things. Um, but if you don't have that, you need to find it. Some of the most valuable times I've had is in Bible studies with, with, with men that have just been through more than I have with, with Christ. And they get it. They, they have, they've been broken more, so the Holy Spirit speaks through them more than it does through me. And I get to embrace that. And then in embracing that, one day, hopefully I'm broken enough to show others and more brave enough than broken enough. It's, it, we do this with our, our team, our sophomores. Our sophomores lead our freshmen. They're only a year older, so it's kind of scary sometimes. But the sophomores know more than the freshmen. 
right? So they will show the freshmen, hey, that's not how we do the waters. I mean, just simple stuff, right? It's not how we do that. We do it like this. Or, hey, we don't, we don't talk about a teammate that way. This is why. You know, you kind of keep up with it, right? The sophomores lead. And in the same way, this is what, what Jesus is asking us to do. Disciple each other. Teach those underneath you that are younger than you. And then they will teach the next, and then they will teach the next. My ways. And then Paul says in 1 Corinthians, be imitators of me. When I first hear that, that's like, wow, that's kind of a rude thing to say. I don't want to be like you. No, if you read through everything, Paul is not saying him. He's saying he's so broken that the Holy Spirit is showing. Be imitators of that, right? Be that broken, right? It's such an interesting, the whole, the whole process, the entire process is so fulfilling with my teams. Uh, a year and a half ago, I guess, yeah, a year and a half ago, we got third place. And it's one of my favorite years ever. It is so funny how that works. We got third place. And I, we've been lucky enough. We've, we've won plenty. We were okay, right? But the third place one was one that always stick out because that was a team that just refused. I mean, they were, it was like kicking and screaming, we're not going to unify. And it's always his fault. No, it's always his fault. And they, they just couldn't break down enough. And then finally, I, it was late April. We have, our, we have our national tournament in the second week of May. It was late April, and you started seeing it. And, like, and it was like, and then it snowballed and snowballed. And by the time nationals happened, the second to last day, we're playing for each other. And just the, the words coming out, the way we're looking at each other, you can just feel it. There's nothing like it. And to the point where I go into my office afterwards, and they're all in there, and I start trying to give a speech, and I just like, cry. I, I don't cry. I just cry like a little baby. And they cried, a bunch of grown men crying. There's nothing better sometimes. But it, why, do, why don't, I wish I cried more in Bible study. I wish, I wish that we had this same feeling, the same passion and brokenness. And I think that's what God's asking. Don't be someone that's an occasionally around. Be a part of this. Let's go ahead and pray. Lord, I, you know everything. You know everything. If, if, I, if I made choices, God, it would, I would be so messy. It would be so messed up. I just thank you for your love. I thank you that out of our deadness, you brought life. I thank you that you're the Savior, that you give us hope when we deserve no hope. Help us love each other. Help us love each other and serve each other and live for each other so that you can be shown to everyone around us and to us, live through us. In Jesus' name, amen.